Now, here's a question. What do we believe most about ourselves? Or what do you believe most about yourself? I want you to just think about that for a moment. What do you believe most about yourself? It is a very important question. Because what we believe about ourselves will shape how we then live. Uh, All of us throughout our lives, we form some sort of understanding of who we are and also who other people are and what life is about and why we live as we do. It's something actually about us as human beings that we do this. Uh, You know, all this information meets us as we live our lives. And as human beings, we look for patterns and truths and connections and frameworks which, which we can bring together to kind of make sense of it all. Because we need to fit ourselves into some sort of real, meaningful story that our life is part of. Uh, Now, we learn this from people, from experiences we go through, from our culture, from words that are spoken to us or about us. Some of the narratives we end up believing as human beings about ourselves are really good and helpful, but others are quite bad and unhelpful in our lives. But all of us inevitably, because we're human, we will see our lives within some story or other. Now, from the beginning of the Bible, God is seen clearly to be a God who wants us to understand what our real story is, who we really are. So from the beginning of the Bible, God has placed human beings somewhere. He has spoken to us. He has shown us things. God has always, again and again, taken us on journeys. He has done things for us and asked things of us. Those are all things whereby God teaches us who we are as human beings. And what the New Testament ultimately then says is that there is finally one place above all others where God has done that for us, and that is in the life of Jesus. So so in Jesus, God himself actually entered into our human story by becoming human himself. And he lived that life with us as one of us in order to show us firsthand in Jesus what our real story is. Jesus once said, I am the way and the truth and the life. Jesus is the one who walks us into the way. He's the way. He walks us into, he tells us, he's the truth, and he shows us what the real story of our lives are, who we really are. So the truth of Christianity, you could say, is that the story of Jesus Christ is also the narrative of our lives as human beings, which we all need to hear and believe in, because as I say, what we believe about ourselves will shape how we then live. Now here in Colossians 2 and 3, so the end of chapter 2, beginning of chapter 3, Paul says something incredible in that sense. He says, chapter 2 verse 20, you died with Christ. Chapter 3 verse 1, you were raised with Christ. And we might respond, but It was Jesus who died and rose again, not me. But Paul says, no, Jesus' story is your story as well. Or as he will put it in chapter 3, verse 2, your life is hidden with Christ in God. Or in verse 3, Christ is your life. Christ who is your life. That's the, Paul says in these verses, that is the thing that most defines who you are as a Christian. Your life hidden within Jesus' life. His life is who you are now. You, therefore, Paul says, you died and you rose again with Jesus. So that is the 
shall we say, the story, that is the reality, the real true story that God sees when he sees you as a Christian. You died and rose again with Jesus. And that is the, the story, the reality, that God wants us to see when we look at ourselves and each other. That we are a new creation in Jesus, that we are a new birth. We sung about this this morning. We are a new beginning, a resurrection through Jesus Christ. So Christianity, you could say, is about every person being able to come to Christ and say, whatever has been is behind me now, because now there is something new. Paul puts it like this, doesn't he, in 2 Corinthians 5. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old has gone. Behold, the new has come. Now, do we believe that to be the most true thing about ourselves? As I said at the beginning, what, what do you believe most about yourself? Is it what you see in Jesus, in whom Paul says your life is hidden now? Who is, in fact, your life, Paul says. Is that what we believe most about ourselves? Hmm, I'm not sure I always do. We put up all sorts of objections to this, don't we? Say We say, but God can't see me as he sees Jesus. Or he can't just ignore the other things about me that I'm carrying. Or what about the things that other people say about me? Or what about the way I feel myself about who I am? Or what about my past, etc., etc., etc. But interestingly, the Apostle Paul, when he writes here, just takes it for granted that who we are as Christians is defined not by any of those other things, but entirely by Jesus. He doesn't say, if maybe you died with Christ, or if maybe you were raised with Christ. He actually says, since you died, and since you were raised with him. It's a given it is not up for debate. You died with Jesus and were raised with Jesus, Paul says, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Christ is, Paul says, your life. People think all sorts of things. We think all sorts of things, don't we, about how God feels about us. Particularly perhaps in the moments where we feel like our life hasn't been what it should be. But remember, we, when we feel like that, when we're worried about that, when we're looking at our lives and the things we don't feel so great about, we need to come back to a passage like this and see here that God, how God feels about us. Because God feels about us how he feels about Jesus, ultimately. Because he sees you hidden in Christ, your life in the life of Jesus. In fact, it's so certain that God ultimately sees that about you as a Christian, that Paul can say, when Christ, who is your life, appears, you also will appear with him in glory. Now, he, when he said that, when he wrote that, he was writing to people who were still alive. So he didn't, he didn't mean, oh, you know, because they had already died and were with Jesus, that when he comes back, they'll also, also be with him. He meant, he was talking to people who hadn't died yet. They were still alive, but he said, your life is so hidden in Christ that actually if Jesus was to appear now, you're there with him. In other words, as Christians, in one sense, we're in this building now, today. But in another sense, I would say in a much more real sense to God, we are with Jesus, and that's what he's saying here. Keep your eyes there. That's where your life is hidden. You know, when you, when you, if, you, if we could stand back and view all of time and eternity, we would realise that actually this little moment here in this building now is just a little speck 
Whereas our, our whole life as believers is actually in Christ. So, so that's what I think what Paul means when he says, look, you're in Christ and when Christ appears, you appear with him because actually it doesn't matter where you are this minute or next minute. Ultimately to God, where you are is hidden in Christ. It's an incredible thing. Now, um, of course God knows all the other stuff about your life, your past, your present, your future. Of course he knows that. But in a sense, if I can put it like this, God has chosen to see you through Christ and be defined by the love of Christ more than anything else. That is what God believes most about you. Okay? Now, it's one thing to kind of understand that. Okay, I, I see what it's saying. It is quite another thing to actually believe it to be true. You know, we can, we can understand things, something in our head, but then we live as if it wasn't true. And it's really difficult, this, isn't it? Yeah, okay, wow, that's amazing what Paul's saying here about the gospel. Do I believe it? There are so many other voices, aren't there, saying to us, no, that, that other, that's more true of you, this other thing. Or that's who you are, what they've said, or what you feel. But God is saying, look, in Jesus Christ, you are raised a new person. And, and I, I guess the battle of our faith is to believe that, to live it. Remember what one guy said to Jesus, and I'm so glad this guy is in the Gospels, Lord, I believe, but help me when I can't believe. And that's so true of us, isn't it? Yes, I believe it. Tomorrow morning I might get up and I'm not believing it so much anymore. Lord, I do believe, but help my unbelief. And this is so important, this what Paul is saying here, because Really, this is how God changes us. Whenever the New Testament talks about us living a different kind of life than we used to, you know, no longer a life of sin, but a life of glory to God, it doesn't just begin with saying, stop doing that and start doing this. It always begins with who we are in Jesus, because that is how people change. That is how God changes us and ultimately the world. Since you have been raised with Christ, he says, set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Now, Paul's going to go on in the verses to follow to talk about how we should live, but he begins there. He says, you're not going to change and live a life to God's glory unless you start by looking, setting your minds on Christ. Since you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Now, I love the fact that Jesus and that Paul focuses on resurrection here. You know, in, in many ways, the heart of the Christian faith is resurrection, isn't it? Um, now, when we speak of resurrection as Christians, we, we often we're thinking about literally being raised from the dead one day. You know, after we've popped our clocks, God will one day raise us up anew. And we believe that. The Bible does indeed talk about that, doesn't it? About us being raised from death. Um, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, it, Jesus' resurrection from the dead is, is described there as the first fruits of a great harvest that's coming. In other words, just like God raised Jesus from the dead, one day loads of us are going to get raised. You know, it's going to be a great harvest. So yes, of course, the Bible talks about that physical resurrection from the dead for us because of Jesus. But the Bible also says we experience resurrection now, and that's what this passage in Colossians is about, that the new risen life of Jesus changes us now. 
before we've popped our clocks. That's what this passage is about. You have already been raised with Christ, Paul says. And Paul will then start talking about how, you, how do you live, what sort of life do you live if you're a resurrection person? And it's important, that, by the way, that we emphasise this part of, of Christianity and what the resurrection means, because if all we think about is, well, when we die, God will raise us, which he will. But if that's all resurrection is about, Christianity could just become a sort of waiting room. You know, we're just waiting till we've died and then God will raise us. Of course, Christianity is also about now and who we are and how we live in the likeness of Christ. So this, this is a wonderful thing about Christianity. There is, there is resurrection at the centre of its message. New beginnings, fresh chapters, new stories written by God over our lives. It can be very easy, can't it, to believe that we're stuck where we are. Uh, with what we are or why we are as we are as human beings. We can conclude that change, that new beginnings in life are not possible for me. Some people actually, you know, we may want to grow, we may want to move forward, we may wish things could change, but sometimes we can get so trapped in the idea that that's not happening for me that it becomes a sense of real despair in some people's lives. No hope for the future. But I don't believe that is how God sees us. Even though we might tell ourselves we're stuck, God looks on us, so I say, with incredible optimism because he sees us through the power of Jesus Christ, the power of his risen life, and how that risen life of Jesus can work in any of our lives and all of our lives here. L listen to these words from Ephesians 1 in the Bible. So this is Paul again who's written in Ephesians. And he's, he's, he's telling them in Ephesus, he's telling the Christians what he prays for them. And one of the things is this. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know the hope to which God has called you and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as his mighty power which he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Do you notice that's very similar to Colossians, about Jesus being raised and seated at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. But Paul says to the Ephesian Christians, he says, I'm praying that you'll realise that exact same power that raised Jesus is now a power that is at work in your life, because God's working in you as well. The same power that God used to raise Jesus from the dead is now at work in you, he says. So there is no obstacle that the grace of God cannot overcome. That passage in Ephesians goes on to say that lovely bit that sometimes we, we quote, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all that we ask or even imagine he could do, according to his power that is working within us. Wonderful words. God's power, it's not just his power, but God's imagination about what's possible is greater than, than ours. Now, the reason that Paul wrote this to the Colossians about you being raised with Christ was because some people were telling them not to look to Jesus or listen to the story of Jesus about their lives, but instead, other people saying, no, what God's really interested in is, is demanding rules and, and very harsh treatment of yourself. You know, that sort of religion that makes you feel terrible. He described it at the end of chapter 2. We did look at it before. 
you know, rules, do not handle, do not touch, do not taste this, verse 21 in chapter 2. Strict commands and teachings, verse 22. Regulations, forced worship, harsh treatment of the body, verse 23. That's what some, in other words, some people were saying to the Colossian Christians, that's the, that's the story of your life, that's who you are and what God says of you. And sadly, I think sometimes we still think this today, that, you know, if I feel like a bad person, I've got to beat myself up, punish myself, hate myself, drive myself into the dirt, because that's what my story is. But Paul says at the end of chapter 2, actually, that approach lacks any power, he says, to do any good. Paul describes that kind of thinking as earthly. I think what he means is it's all about you know, where are you looking when you think like that? You're looking down here. It's, it's not got very much of heaven and of God in it. It's all about what we do and nothing about what God does. It's about how I feel about myself, not about how God feels about us in Christ. Paul says it's useless to think like that if we want to change and to start anew with God. What we need, he says, is a better story, the story that God has told us in Jesus. Christ died and rose again, and you died and risen again in him. And Paul says that's where you've got to start. He'll go on then to talk about the sort of life he lived, but you have to start there. The problem is, you see, we look in the wrong direction quite often, don't we? We focus on things in us or around us instead of looking at what has already happened with God. I love it that Christ is sat down. You know, he's finished his work for us. There's nothing left that he hasn't done for you. There are no loose ends with Jesus. So Paul says, that's where you've got to look, where Christ is. And he says, where you are too. That's where you are with Christ. We are up there with Jesus. Incredible, really. It might sound strange, but think of it this way. The way that God sees things, the way that he sees us, is not just people stuck down here and the way things are. God sees us in every respect to be risen with Jesus. That that is our identity as Christians. That is who we are now. Who we are is all about who Jesus is. You died with Christ, you are risen with Christ. He is your life now. He defines you more than anything else does. That is more true of you than anything else you may see or feel or think or be told by others. Others might treat you like dirt, but God sees you in Christ because your life is inseparable from the life of Jesus. Now, of course, other things may tell us, like they were telling the Colossians, Jesus doesn't make any difference really. People, people, things, our own voice may tell us God doesn't care, that we are our worst fears, that all this talk of resurrection sounds lovely, but it doesn't really mean anything in my life, that we'll never get out of this rut or whatever it is we're in, that we're always going to make the same mistakes, that we're always going to be the kind of people we fear we are. There are voices telling us that our sin is always going to be what defines us most, rather than Jesus defining us. And that's what God says. But often, you know, we listen to those other voices instead of God, and we're looking down again at ourselves and the ground, or we're looking at the past, instead of looking, as Paul says, at the things above, where Christ is, 
and seeing that he is seated at the right hand of God and our lives are safe and secure with God there. And, and even our future's wrapped up with him. Because he says that future, how does he describe that future? He, he describes it in verse 4 with the word glory. I don't know how you feel about life, your past, your present, and we all worry a bit about the future. Paul says, because your life is hidden in Jesus, your future is described with the word glory. It doesn't matter how rubbish it is at the moment, or has been, or might be tomorrow. Difficult things will come, and they do. But ultimately, Paul says, your future is encompassed in that word glory. And this matters every day that we remember this. I really think it does. The fact that you're risen with Christ gives you the assurance that everything is new for you now. You are not stuck. You are not defined by your past or your present mistakes or your circumstances or your feelings. You are risen with Christ and you have the courage, therefore, to believe that tomorrow doesn't need to be like yesterday, that you are being made new. You have died with Christ. You've risen with Christ. Your life is Christ. However you feel today is actually irrelevant. God has brought resurrection to you. In Colossians 3 verse 10, he will go on to describe it as like we've taken off the old self and put on the new self, which is being renewed in the image of its creator. Now I'll talk a bit more um, another time, I think. We'll talk another time about what Paul goes on to say about how we live. But just take that with you today. Who defines us? I began by asking you, what do you believe most about yourself? And I hope these verses help us to realise that actually what defines us most as Christians, above anything else, what, what, what you should believe most about yourself as a Christian, is that your life is hidden in Christ.